a surprising turn in international politics and the Syrian civil war, which is now six years old. Um, last week, uh, the US launched a uh, missile strike against the Syrian regime, the first such direct action, uh, and supposedly in response to a chemical attack uh, that all signs point to being carried out by the Syrian dictator Bashar al-Assad. I'm joined on the telephone with uh, Otago's politics department's uh, expert on US foreign policy and global security matters, Professor Robert Patman. Good morning, Robert. Good afternoon, George. How are you? Good, good. Good. Now, um, Robert, it seems like Trump suddenly woke up to Assad's horrors uh, and saw it as a chance to kind of uh, push some big boy buttons, I guess. Uh, Can you talk to the uh, probable kind of thinking and processes within his inner circle uh, preceding the strike? Well, there's a number of different ways of interpreting it uh, you know you're quite right with your opening comment it was a massive u-turn mm. if we cast our mind back to the beginning of last week the trump administration was still entertaining the idea of collaborating with the assad regime in the struggle against isis yeah and um also uh, russia was considered to be part of that mix being a key ally of uh, the syrian regime in damascus and then, of course, uh, there was the chemical weapons attack, and that seemed to change everything. Now, why did it change everything? That's the question that's puzzling many people, because... Mm. Uh, and let's just go through the the possible interpretation. Yeah. One is that... Um, uh, and this is the one that the Trump administration, I think, is trying to draw attention to, that the tr- President Trump was deeply affected emotionally by the images and photographs he saw of the 85 people killed um, and of course more uh, a a sizable proportion of the people killed were young people 33 children and Mm. about 17 or so teenagers were killed in a hideous fashion but of course you know many people were saying well actually that doesn't really stand up because Mr. Trump or at least his advisors would know this uh, this wasn't the first chemical weapons attack. In fact, it's much smaller than the one that Mr. Obama had to deal with exactly. back in 2013. And that sort of leads people to consider a second option, a more domestic political option, which is the FBI criminal investigation into links between the Putin government and the Trump administration has been intensifying. And um, people have speculated that maybe people around Mr. Trump said, look, in one foul swoop, we could actually take the heat out of this investigation by demonstrating in the most public manner that we're no poodle of the Russians. Yeah. uh, uh, Is there anything that points to it having a kind of material, uh, strategic motivation? Like, what what have been the Yeah, I mean, I think that's the third. The third explanation is that Mr. Trump has simply come in with an agenda which was crafted outside the realities of power and once in office he's had to listen to people he didn't really want to listen to Mm. Um, and Tillotson and Masterton and Mattis uh, the Defence Secretary we're talking here about the Secretary of State his National Security Advisor and also his Secretary of Defence are all saying that A you know Russia is probably one of the which is trying to undermine America's interest in the world. So uh, it may be that, cumulatively, Mr. Trump 
gradually realised that he should begin to increase the costs of Russian involvement. And so the missile strike was a warning to the Russians, as mm. well as the Assad regime. Yeah. If they want to both persist down this route, they're going to have to pay a very big price. And um, the, the question that, you know, so that, that's the sort of third interpretation. Mr. Trump had deliberately presented himself as unpredictable, taking his opponents aback by this almost lightning missile strike, although interestingly he did warn the Russians yeah. that it was going to happen, so they were given a chance to physically evacuate the base. But nevertheless, the Russians are very angry about it, um, although I think to some extent uh, there's a lot of hot air coming out of Moscow at the moment talking about we're one step away from World War Three and things like this. Yeah, what, what do you think of that? Because lots of armchair gen, uh, generals like to talk about how, oh, it's World War Three now as well. What what do you say to that? No, I, I don't buy into that, George. Yeah. And the reason I don't buy into that is because I do not think, despite... I mean, I think Mr. Putin has a problem that his ambitions exceed his capabilities. And uh, what I mean by that is that Russia's a regional power with nuclear weapons. And he, it is not a rival superpower in the way that China is to the United States. Economically, Russia has been underperforming for at least the last three or four years, and mm. particularly since it meddled in Ukraine. That has been disastrous for the Russian economy. In fact, the Russian economy had no growth whatsoever. It contract contracted for two years running between 2014-2015, and it just returned to a modicum of growth at the end of 2016. So we're not talking about a, you know, yeah. a contest of equals here. Yeah. Um in in sense of the the strike itself and and Russia does it shake Russia towards a, you know a table where they might be able to talk about a political solution for Syria? Um, well, I think I thought what Mr. Trump is doing, um, and probably drawing on his experience of the art of the deal, which he wrote in 1987. He may or may not <laughs> yeah. reflecting on his business career. He's increasing the costs of Russian involvement. Right. It, you know. Um, and making the Kremlin think, well, is this really... And the other, of course, the other big question which has been um, vexing the Americans, particularly the Pentagon, is to what extent was the Putin government party to the plans to launch those chemical weapons? Mm. After all, they came from an air base where the Russians were involved. Surely they must have known in advance. Now, there is speculation in the media, and it's no more than that, that the Russians knew in advance, which means, if so, then Mr. Trump may have believed that he can't do business with the Russians. Right. So uh, British Foreign Secretary Boris <laughs> Johnson has cancelled a trip to Moscow. And as yeah, you I'm said, sure that will enormously worry Mr. Putin. <laughs> uh, and, and the rhetoric's heating up. Everyone's talking about red lines and the G7 meetings yeah. coming up. What happens uh, now going forward, uh, especially di diplomatically? Well... Um, I think Mr. Johnson is doing his best to try to get a bit of attention. He's good at that. Mm. Um, but he hasn't distinguished himself as Foreign Secretary in, in Britain so far. And he needs to be very careful of his language. The Americans apparently have been displeased by the fact that he apparently spoke for America when saying there could be more missile strikes from the United States. Yeah. And uh, they didn't particularly go down well. The Americans prefer to have their own spokespeople saying that for them um, he is trying to hang on to the coattails, this is all part of a sort of British imperial hang up in my judgement where they think 
they couldn't they couldn't exercise leadership in the EU, and they've had to sort of beat a retreat there, and therefore they're they're somehow going to convince someone they're going to go global now, outside yeah. the EU. Although they're not outside it yet, but you know, the British have always had this hang up, if I may say so, about a special relationship with the Americans. Mm. And as one German commentator put it, it is, a, it is a special relationship, but it's a unilateral one. It's special to the British, but not particularly special to the Americans. Yeah. And, you know, the Americans are grateful for British support. I think the Americans said to the Brits, it's best, uh, Mr. Johnson or Boris, if you don't go over there, because Mr. Rex Tillotson's going over there and we don't want the muddies watered. We want one message coming from the countries which basically agree amongst themselves. Yeah. And I uh, think that's the motivation. Well, uh, on the decision-making and the kind of internal workings of the U.S., yeah. especially with the State Department and other civilian institutions kind of being sidelined, I guess, are, are you worried about the the uh, clout that the Pentagon has over decisions in Iraq well, and I, Syria? Well, I mean, you've raised a really, really good point, and because we're, we're talking, you know, both you and I are, are trying to analyse why this decision occurred when it did to launch the missiles and mm. there's a fourth consideration which is that uh, if you like the institutional expertise may be fighting back and that what i mean by that is i meant that both in the state department and in the uh, pentagon uh, there has been widespread changes under trump trump removed a lot of the leadership in the state department and I think um, as Rex Tillotson settles back into the job, and as uh, 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 Herbert Masterton, mm. otherwise known as H.R. Masterton, McMasterton, uh, gets on top of the job, um, I think he, you know, th- there are indications that some of the ideological members of the Trump entourage are being ousted. Steve Bannon's removal last Wednesday... Mm coincided with the missile strike yeah and bannon basically takes a sort of nigel farage point i mean nigel farage the brexit mm. leader in britain for the first time has criticized trump <laughs> he said oh, i don't understand why they've done this i think privately mr bannon may be saying the same thing mm. yeah i think uh, among trump's supporters with yeah I, I think they've been taken quite a bit because i mean it, well, they're, it, they're saying this is a globalist action yeah yeah um and of course mr trump from their point of view, won his spurs at the election by presenting a sort of economic nationalist agenda. Mm. You know, Syria was seen as, uh, you know, uh, not in the national vital interest. And I think what's happening and is that as these changes, first of all, some of the appointments Mr. Trump has made have been, quite frankly, utterly disastrous and counterproductive for the administration. The administration is really floundering. Yeah, and um, no amount of uh, uh, saying it's working like clockwork will cover that up. And uh, when I saw working like clockwork, that's Mr. Trump's phrase. He said his administration is working like clockwork. Well, both if you look to the faces in the press conference, virtually no one could keep a straight face. And no amount of talking over people and declaring war on the media will stop the media reporting on what they think is happening. And I think the penny may drop. Uh, it is dropping rapidly for the administration. It's not just the spin that they put on reality that counts. It's also the way people perceive that. Mm. And uh, I think um, some of the changes, I think he's removed. The removal of Mr. Steve Bannon, who's certainly on the right wing 
off the spec, you know, on the political spectrum and, and the sort of ideologue. Yeah. Um, I think from the National Security Council was an Im- was certainly connected with some of the uh, decision making that led to the missile strike and possibly to the new position which Rex Tillotson is articulating is about to articulate in Moscow, which is the Russians must drop support for Assad. Mm. Now this is <laughs> this is a sort of post missile hardening, isn't it, <laughs> of the position. And it confirms that the missile strike did actually signal a major departure in uh, Trump's strategic thinking. Yeah, they're, they're kind of mentioning uh, barrel bombs as, as red, yeah. red lines now. I, I think That's interesting. They've only just discovered they were dropping them, <laughs> and they've been doing it for the last that, six years. That's exactly what it seems like. Um, yeah. The, 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 we, we kind of thought that Trump had no foreign policy. I, th- I wonder if it's a case of... Um, the establishment or neoconservatives or, you know, the national security establishment filling that vacuum? Well, that's assuming, of course, that Mr. Trump's an anti-establishment figure. He, he certainly likes to present himself in that way, but I notice his cabinet seems absolutely brimful <laughs> of very rich establishment figures. In fact, you could argue that Mr. Trump has a sense of humour when he describes himself as an anti-establishment figure. I mean, this is, he comes from a very privileged, white, American family, extremely rich, who enjoy all the perks. So I don't really see that as, uh, you know, it's got about as much persuasive power, in my judgment, as Boris Johnson and Nigel Farage trying to tell unemployed people around Sunderland that their job prospects would improve if they, they left the EU, yeah. you know. Uh, Nigel Farage and Boris Johnson's jobs will not be affected by the move, obviously. Uh, There's a degree of detachment here. And I think that the danger for Mr. Trump, and I think this may explain why he's moving towards a more conventional, American conventional foreign policy in the post-Cold War era, is because he's discovering, uh, or the figures, his private polling's indicating that part of his support was the hardliners, like the the people you mentioned, like the constituent, you know, the Mm. base. Mm. Trump base. About 30%, perhaps, of the 46%, or maybe 25% of the 46%, or whatever it was, who voted for Trump. But the rest is probably what I call, George, soft vote, or people who voted for instrumental reasons, who could also leap to the other side politically yeah. if they're not happy with what's happening. And there are, in, I mean, he's got record low approval of ratings at the moment. So he's not, all, you know, politics is never going to be far from decision-making here. Yeah, and um, I, I guess the, the the days preceding it, uh, Hillary Clinton came out and, uh, and, and was calling for uh, targeted strikes and the such. And I think, you know, uh, after the strike, we saw news people, certain news people and, and cable news gushing over the strikes. And uh, it was, you know... Yeah, I, I think partly that gushing uh, reflected profound relief mm that Mr. Trump actually is not an extension of Mr. Putin. Yeah. Because I think many people, given all the speculation about whether the Russians had intervened in the election, and that all remains to be seen, of course, um, I, I think that Mr. Trump has read his audience quite well, if that was his calculation, that he could remove the sort of Russian cloud from his shoulders by taking an action that was clearly going to hurt Russian interests. Yeah. Um, now, to be fair to Mr. Trump, he's always argued that 
um, he would be a strong leader and that he would take um, decisive and unpredictable steps. He, he, he mm. believed that one of the reasons, this is Mr. Trump, not me, but one of the reasons he believed he was successful in business, although that success is disputed by the likes of Mitt Romney, that he presented himself as unpredictable to his rivals. So they could never quite sure where this mercurial figure would jump. Yeah. And um, the, the danger of that is, I think, George, that in a, uh, when you're the head of a superpower and you're in the most powerful office in the world, I'm not sure unpredictability is a great asset. Because I think uh, if you're a superpower and you've got 20% of the world's economy, uh, you're responsible for 20% of the world's wealth. I think people do actually, on a day-to-day basis, need to know the general contours of where you're going. Mm, yeah. Um, in terms of, uh, just to finish, I guess, in terms of greater uh, implications, uh, people have speculated about the uh, danger posed to uh, US troops in Iraq um, who are combating ISIS, uh, not side-by-side, side, but in proximity to uh, Shia uh, and Iran uh, associated militias. Uh, is there a danger there? Well, it, I think that danger, um, put it this way, uh, I, I think <clears throat> any intervention in the Middle East could have ripple effects, even mm. a missile strike. <clears throat> we we will wait and see. We will have a clear answer to that question. If Mr. Trump follows up with more missile strikes, um, or even boots on the ground, which looks unlikely, um, then I think that could add a sort of turbulent new factor into the mix. Um, but it, it is but difficult to predict. Um, one thing I would say, however, and I think this point needs to be made crystal clear, is one of the biggest causes of the rise of ISIS has been Iranian and Russian support for this Assad regime. Mm. Uh, if you talk to Syrians, many of them say they would support the devil himself or herself yeah. in order to resist Assad. And the fact of the matter is, and we don't particularly like it, and most Syrians don't, ISIS has been the most formidable or one of the most formidable rebel groups in uh, against battling against uh, the Assad regime. And uh, unfortunately, most Syrians don't want a future, or I say fortunately, most Syrians don't want a future under ISIS or Assad which explains why 5 million have left the country, and uh, including some coming to Dunedin, about 50. Exactly. And I think most of those people would rather be, if you ask them, most rather be in Syria, but they, they found that they, the lack of viable political options has mm. left them sort of bereft and, and, and obviously looking for a new home. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I think it, when we talk about more turbulence because the Americans are going after... Assad, it may actually empower the more moderate rebel groups in Syria as well. Mm. But uh, one of the things we have learned since the US-led invasion of Iraq is that uh, actions which appear innocuous or relatively innocuous, well, well, put it this way, actions which are designed to achieve one thing can have unintended consequences. So we can't rule out the possibility that if America begins to play hardball with the Russians in Syria, through more military engagement, it could destabilise the region further. Right. Um, it's an amazing situation. Uh, thanks for taking your uh, the time to uh, talk to us, Robert. Oh, it's a pleasure. See you later. Have a good day. Thank you.